Lower back pain is very common, whether it's from injuries, degeneration, or just a lifetime of lifting things, playing sports, or whatever the causes. And physical therapists can help. And joining me today are Sammy Ahmed, Danielle James, Nick Meisner, and Kyle Pierce. And they're all doctors of physical therapy, and you can find them all at Mid-Atlantic Sports Therapy and Rehab. Welcome to a Bone to Fix podcast, Masters of Motion edition, where we're going to focus on the physical therapy side of orthopedics. I'm Scott Webb. So first off, I want to thank you all for joining me. This should be an interesting conversation. I'm uh, 53, and my lower back hurts me all the time, but I've never been to anybody uh, like yourselves to uh, to have this looked at, to have this fixed. So I'm going to pick your brains, take some notes, a little free medical advice for me and everybody else. And as we get rolling here, Sammy, uh, let's just talk about this. Who comes to see you when it comes to lower back? What are they complaining of? And how do you get things rolling uh, with patients or prospective patients? That's a really good question. You know, here at Mid-Atlantic Sport Therapy, we kind of have a wide variety of patients that we do see. You know, we get anything low back pain coming from your young 13, 14-year-old athlete who just lifted too much or pushed too hard during a practice to, you know, someone who potentially, yes, may be in their 40s, 50s, or 60s and may have lifted their, you know, son, grandson, et cetera, and kind of just, you know, tweak themselves a little bit. It's a common thing I feel like all of our therapists see. I think the biggest thing, though, is that, you know, it's hard to sometimes determine if it was a mechanical loaded strain, we call it mechanical low back pain, versus it being, you know, a disc herniation. We're lucky here that we've got such a wide variety of therapists and our physician cohort that we worked so well together with that we get a little bit of everything. I will say that I think that a large number of our population that we do get to see does have low back pain. And a lot of times people don't admit that they even have low back pain until it's too late. Yeah, it does seem like, at least in, in my case, it's just one of those things that affects my quality of life, but it just seems easier not to go, not to do something about it. And I want to ask, you know, open up to the group. My, my son had this experience in baseball. He got his back all twisted up in baseball a couple of years ago. And I don't know the name of it. You guys are the experts here, but the little triangle down at the bottom of your back, this is the way my son explained it to me anyway. He's like, yeah, dad. So I had this triangle thing. And instead of being like the right way, it was like turned sideways. And I said, well, that sounds unpleasant. That doesn't sound right. And he goes, yeah. So over like five sessions or so, the physical therapist is going to work to like turn that thing back the way it should be because he was in such agony, such misery. You know, 18-year-old kid could barely walk. And within five sessions, he was back to normal. And it was totally amazing. And I was like, wow, the power of physical therapy. So maybe one of you can tell me, what is that triangle thing? Is that a common injury uh, for athletes? And what do you do to help folks like my son who comes in with that complaint? So this is Kyle chiming in here. I'd love to take that on. I have definitely seen in the patients that I've treated, a really common feature of that low back is that sacrum. It's the base of our spine below our lumbar spine that often we talk about with disc herniation. But that sacrum, although it is a bone that does not move much between our two pelvis bones, with younger individuals, it does have a little bit of play. And so whenever we have a lot of force through throwing athletes or acrobatic athletes, you know, and we're talking about trying to improve flexibility in young individuals uh, as well as maintain strength, they can have this imbalance where that sacrum is pulled to one side or the other, creating a lot of pain. All of us have reached around to about our belt line in agony at one point in our life. And you're actually pointing towards the base of the spine or that sacrum, and it can be a problem. We can do a lot of things with muscle training and manual techniques to try to improve some better balance there. 
Yeah, I was really blown away, and you're so right. That's what it was. And within a few weeks, he was back to normal and playing baseball again. Uh, really, truly amazing. And my daughter plays a lot of sports. She plays basketball and softball. And so I'm always trying to help her try to sort of prevent injuries, right? And one of the things I've thought about doing is bringing her to a physical therapist to try to develop a plan, you know, a warm-up plan, a workout plan, uh, something that she can do after, you know, she's played sports. And I'm wondering if one of you can kind of take us through that when we think about the lower back and trying to prevent injuries or prevent fatigue. How do you help folks? Yeah, I can chime in with a a couple ideas here. My name's Nick. So, a lot of times there's a dynamic warm-up that can help kind of prime an athlete and get them ready for whatever type of activity that is. So accessing some of their abdominal muscles, they kind of call them like slings, where these muscles kind of play together, create some stability in the back and help prevent some of the strain things that can happen when you tend to overexert yourself. So as a therapist, what we can see on our side of things is we look for some of those muscle imbalances. Um, we look for movement system impairments and we see, are there certain things that someone's compensating with and maybe they're moving a certain way because they have more propensity to to rotate one way because they're right-handed dominant, right leg dominant, whatever rotations they might be doing in their sports. And that's where we're trying to exploit, okay, we need to strengthen something else to create a better balance there to help create better stability for them. So building off, well, first off, what you mentioned with your son, how I guess you had said it was a couple weeks later that he went from being in agony The sooner somebody can get to us after an injury, typically the better prognosis. So I've had somebody lift a couch over the weekend, come to me Monday, Tuesday, and by the end of the week, they're 99% better versus someone dealing with, like you mentioned, 20, 30-year history of back pain (laughs) that they just kind of live with. Yeah. And, you know, it's not so bad. It might not affect their function. And for my dad, for example, as long as it doesn't affect his golf game, he's not going to come to me for any help. Right. As long as I can golf, then, you know, yeah, of course. Right. (laughs) Um, So typically, the sooner somebody gets to us, the better. And then, like you mentioned with your daughter, from a preventative measure, we're looking at several different things. We're looking at mobility, strength, core stability, motor control. And then what I tend to find is that these young athletes are doing a lot of strengthening for They're prime movers, which are those really large global muscles, your glutes, your rectus spinae, upper traps, you know, quads, hamstrings. And then we lose a lot of strength within those small stabilizing muscles in the back. So mechanically speaking, they might be strong, but then their motor control is just terrible. So we need to kind of pull back on the reins a bit and fine tune movement patterns and strengthen those stabilizers to prevent injury. Yeah, that sounds good. It's, it's so funny, though, about that. Yeah, as long as I can play golf, I'm fine. I'm not going to see anybody if I can still swing the club. And maybe one of you can take this on and explain to me, sort this out for me in my head. But I remember being at a baseball game, and they run these little commercials, little ads for whatever it is, doctors, physical therapists. It was so catchy the way it was said. But basically it was something about if you want to have a healthy back or strengthen your back, you got to strengthen the front. you got to work on the muscles in the front to make the back work properly. And I apologize again, that's not a very elegant way of saying it, but I'm hoping one of you experts here can kind of sort this out for me. What does that mean exactly? I need to strengthen my core. I need to strengthen my abs in order to have better support for my back. Am I making any sense? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I like to kind of think, and we've heard this within the PT realm, your core is kind of like a soda can. So the okay. top part of that can is your, actually your diaphragm. The bottom part of that can is your pelvic floor, and then the front is your abdominal muscles, a muscle called your transverse abdominis, and then the back are your back muscles. So you really want good strength within all of those areas, and people don't realize that your diaphragm is a muscle itself. And then 
as, from a female perspective, I see a lot of pregnancy and postpartum patients, and they suffer from a lot of pelvic floor weakness, which that can cause some low back issues down the road. So you really want kind of all components of that soda can to be nice and strong. Yeah. And does that make sense, Scott? It, it does. It absolutely does. And I, I wish I could remember exactly how it was said, but I've always gone back to that, that if I... If I wanted to help my old 53-year-old back, maybe I could do a few sit-ups or something along those lines, right? Just strengthen the front, straighten the back, and, and everything would probably just work a little bit better. And I'm wondering if you guys had this experience where one of the reasons why people put off coming for physical therapy is they've heard these sort of horror stories or nightmare stories of people who've had things like a knee replacement, right? Something really sort of dramatic done, something replaced, and the physical therapy was very difficult on them. And then that sort of becomes the narrative for people that physical therapy, oh man, they're really going to put you through your paces. It's really going to be hard, you know? So maybe you guys can take that on just a little bit, just to sort of dispel the myths when it comes to physical therapy that, you know, you're there to help. You don't mean to sort of, you know, torture people. But at the end of this, if they can make it through their course of physical therapy, their course of treatment, they're going to be so glad that they did, right? So I'd love to take that one on, Scott. It's Definitely a misconception that physical therapy all the time has to be this grueling tasking. You know, if somebody's coming in after knee replacement, you see them in the clinic next to you and you see them working really hard. But, you know, for those individuals suffering with low back pain, you know, you're already in pain coming in. Our only goal is to help reduce that pain and break the pain cycle so that we can introduce safe, healthy exercises that can get you back to moving the way you'd like to. Sometimes that's as easy as beginning with a couple of stretches, getting somebody walking a little bit extra throughout the day, and just encouraging overall better mobility and getting people moving again, decreasing pain, not increasing pain. It makes me think, you know, how far everything in medicine and science and technology has come. Maybe you guys can discuss just the latest and greatest. Like, what are you guys doing? How are you treating people? What technology or science or imaging or, you know, just what are you excited about? I think that's really interesting that you said that because, you know, there's a old idiom that says that physical therapy, we really stand for pain and torture. Because that's really what we do really <laughs> well, right, is we, paint, we bring our patients pain and torture. And I like to think that we actually take our patients out pain and torture, right? We try to get them. I agree. Yeah. Um, Technology wise, you know, every day there seems to be a new gadget that seems to be popping into the field, right? From biomechanical analysis software that's coming out. You know, years ago, we used to use things when the Xbox One first came out or the 360, there are all these, you know, bio tracers and biomarker tracer technology that came out or EMG processes that came out. Even now we're seeing in the clinic, you know, the physicians that we work with, you know, we have such a great team that we're partnered with that, you know, they're doing these minimally invasive surgeries that are leaving one minimal to no scarring and two improving patient functions and outcomes so much quicker, which makes our job in terms of the recovery world better. And then to be honest, sometimes it's tapping into the old to bring something new. You know, within our own clinics, one of the big things back toward the 80s, there was a couple of instances where dry needling first kind of came around to the U.S. and became a hot topic. And I'd say out of, now we've got what, 30 some odd guys, 30, 33 PTs within our practice. And I'd say probably a good 15 or 16 of them are all trigger point dry needling certified. And it's one of those things that in terms of dealing with back pain, particularly, that is a huge game changer, right? Because when you have these trigger points deep into that tissue, into that fascial layer, and you have to get, you know, some of the muscles that Danielle had mentioned earlier, the multifidi, the lumbar paraspinals that are really deep, it's really hard to palpate those. There's not a really good way of getting into that. And so using trigger point dry needling as a means of treatment methods, I mean, we're seeing patients go from 
not being able to move one day to, you know, within a matter of minutes, being able to stand up and walk around again. I'm not going to lie to you personally. I mean, Danielle's on the line right now with us. And just the other day, I screwed my back up. I was deadlifting at the gym. My QL was on fire. And I just looked at her when I walked to the clinic and she said, Sammy, get to the back. Let's go right now. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. needle that for you. And within 20 minutes, I was able to work the rest of the day. That's so cool. And I wanted to have, you know, one or all of you kind of talk about this, that the nature of what you all do, you see a lot of smiles on faces, maybe not initially, right? But eventually you see smiles on people's faces. And I'm sure there's just a high level of satisfaction for all of you in knowing how bad someone was when they came in, even a coworker or a colleague, and then seeing that smile on their face. So maybe you guys can just talk about that a little bit, just the satisfaction of really being able to help people. Yeah, I'd I'd like to talk into that to start things off. Going through physical therapy myself, I tore my ACL when I was 16 years old playing soccer, went through therapy, and saw firsthand how rewarding it can be to get someone back to the functional level that they want to get back to. And it's one of the most rewarding things, I think, that attracts so many people to the profession. During times of COVID, it gets a little bit tough when you can't see someone smile. You can't really get a sense of how they're doing, but you can hear it in their voice. You can see it in their eyes. When they're moving better, they're feeling better. It, you're making a huge difference in their lives. So. Yeah, that's so cool. And, and just a side note, during COVID, I've had to teach my kids. My kids are uh, 14 and 19. I'm like, you guys have to learn to smile with your eyes. And they just kind of look at me like, what does that mean, Dad? I'm like, I don't know. But if you're smiling with your eyes, then we can tell you're smiling with your mouths, I think. And then they say, Dad, you're dumb. You're a boomer. And I move on from there. So listen, this has been so educational and fun. want to give anybody who'd like an opportunity a chance to, you know, final thoughts, takeaways that we've learned today. It's best to come in as soon as possible. Best to seek a consultation, treatment, and so on. But just anybody, your final thoughts and takeaways on how you really can help folks. Yeah, I can jump in on this one. I think one of the questions just jumping back was about the technologies. I think physical therapy back in the day was very much exercise-based, which it still is. We want to get people active and moving. And I think our end goal is to get you independent with your program. We don't want you relying on us forever. We want to see you kind of able to manage your symptoms on your own. So if they do come back, you have those tools and you don't need to rely on us. But the big part of physical therapy is that hands-on treatment, which you know, it requires a lot of trust in the patient. We're putting our hands on you and we're using all these tools within the clinic. Sammy mentioned dry needling. We have cupping. We have something called Grafton or instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization. It can be aggressive, but I think it just kind of also, we listen to the patient. We listen to how their bodies are responding. I'm not going to bring my patient to tears most of the time. I won't bring them to tears, (laughs) but it's really seeing how they respond to the treatment and modifying and tailoring our treatments to bring them closer to their goals. And, And I developed phenomenal relationships with my patients. I love coming to work. And I, like you said, it just brings you such joy and satisfaction getting them to those milestones. I had a patient today who didn't ever know if he'd be able to swing a golf club again. And he was so like overcome with joy. He went out and hit a bucket of balls last night and then said that he wanted to go out and play a round of nine this weekend. And, you know, it's things that he didn't think he'd be able to do ever that we're getting him back to do. And that's the most rewarding part of our job. So I would encourage people who are struggling with pain don't be afraid of coming to see us. Don't put it off. The longer you put it off, the more difficult the recovery can be. Not to say that it's, you know, there's not a chance, but it's just going to be a longer recovery process unless you come see us sooner. I'd love to add in, too, that it, we love coming into work. You know, it's not just the patients that we're working with. We collaborate here extremely at Mid-Atlantic Sport Therapy and Rehab a lot together. I mean, me and Danielle have been working together for at least six years now, off and on between different clinics. Kyle, who's on the line, I've known him for over a decade. 
I was a groomsman at Nick's wedding not too long ago. And so I've worked with Nick for all six years now. And so looking at that, we're a group that's been around for such a long time in our community that not only do we like to work together, but we, we share those patient stories. And when we get stuck or we have an issue, we're very, very quick to say, hey, can you collaborate? Can you bring your skill set that might be slightly different in mind to make sure that we bring the best outcomes for our patients? I think that's something that's not really commonly seen. And with us having so many locations, and we're at six, soon to be eight locations now, you know, across the Howard and Baltimore County area and Carroll County as well, it, it just shows you how strong of a group that we actually have. And to me, that is our biggest strength. It is our strength in numbers and strength in knowledge across the board to help our patients get better. Yeah, especially when you're a patient, you have goals and things you want to get back to doing, you're more likely to want to put the work in and get the most out of it you possibly can. And I think when, if people realize like, yeah, this is your life, you got to get back to living it the way you want to live it join us, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I can totally hear in your voices how much you all enjoy working with each other, being around each other, supporting, helping each other, working to, to solve, you know, mysteries with patients and clients. Uh, so this has just been really fun, really educational. When I saw that I was going to have four of you on, I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to manage this? But this worked out great. I think probably a testament to how just well you all work together. So thank you all. Uh, you all stay well. And to find out more about us online at mdbonedocs.com, we have six PT locations. For your convenience and more to come, and please remember to share and subscribe to this podcast. That's all for today. I'm Scott Webb, and that was A Bone That's Fixed.